1: Shoes and I boarded the plane Touched down in the land of the Delta Blues In the middle of the pouring rain WC Handy, won't you look down
2: Welcome to Trot's Life. It is our Wednesday edition, usually known to the listening audience as Wednesdays with Wombat, and it is some sort of a show we have assembled for you today on your Wednesday. Might have some new listeners today. I've been uh, been advertising, I suppose, and talking a lot about a chat that is coming up today. Uh, it will be with Michael Hunt from 12 o'clock. He trained a horse called Menerville. It's a remarkable story. It's a well remembered story, in the sense that he got a run in a miracle mile ahead of a horse called Our Sir Vansalot. But please, before you think anything else, put those thoughts on hold. Forget about the controversy that surrounded it. And just sit back and enjoy the chat with Michael. It'll it'll go for nearly the full hour from 12 o'clock. It's an emotional time for Michael to relive this. He's never spoken about it on air. I don't think he's spoken about it too much at all, to be honest. And it gets really hard in the middle, uh, reliving the pressure that came with getting a runner in a Miracle Mile when it felt like everybody didn't want you to be there i suppose and that that's that's not what harness racing is that's 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 just not what harness racing is we normally celebrate those stories of someone who what would people call a hobbyist what i like to refer to as a part-time professional that can make it to the top that's the beauty of this sport you can you can make it to the top of this sport with one horse, two horses, five horses, 10 horses, whatever you, whatever your size and strength, you can get the right horse, you can make it to the top. And we're an industry that give everyone a chance and sometimes more than one chance. And that's how life should be. Every person makes mistakes and we often in life, well, we should always give a second chance, particularly when, uh, they admit to their mistakes. They own up to them. They own their mistakes. And that's where our other chat with Dean is probably pertinent. Some will know the story with Dean. And we're not going down that track with Dean if that's what you're thinking. We're not talking about what happened in a period of time, but we are going to talk about Dean and his career. He's had a lot of support from some people I know really well. So I just wanted to tell that story as Dean's back, he's got a horse in on Saturday night in the sapling stakes called Wipeout. And there was, uh, it was, uh, Can you can only imagine what the last 13 years was like for Dean. And my father owned a couple of shares in horses with Dean Atkinson and, he was he's a lovely man, absolutely lovely man, and came he drove what would be twelve hours to attend my uh, late father's funeral, uh, which is signifies and typifies the person that uh, Dean is. So we'll catch up with Dean Atkinson in the first half an hour. He's has this horse wipe out a two year old that goes into a sapling stakes, which is some sort of a story in itself anyway. Uh, it was APG eligible, but it was withdrawn So by the McAuliffe. So it'll be interesting to hear the story behind that. He's got a couple in at Wagga as well that look like they're both really good chances. Darren Carroll's got a couple of tips for us at Mildura. I'm really, really, really keen on a couple of bets at Mildura as well. So as per usual, tune in at 11.30 to hear those. Garrick Knight will join us. We've got plenty to discuss with Garrick Knight. There's uh, three or four horses from around uh, the Traps that are racing first up from New Zealand. So we'll catch up with Garrick on that. He's a mad cricket watcher, Garrick. So he would have been absolutely stoked with that, uh, pardon the pun, uh, test match yesterday. Um, and what a great test match it was. And then, as mentioned, from 12 o'clock, Michael Hunt. And I actually you know, you get those sort of butterflies in your stomach and, and I'm happy to, to acknowledge it. I recorded this chat with Michael already and I just get that, that that butterflies in my stomach just thinking about the chat we had and, and the emotion involved in it for Michael. So looking forward to this show uh, very, very much. It's going to be as good as it gets on Trot's Life. If you catch one chat all year on Trot's Life, It will be today's chat with Michael Hunt as we rewrite the history of Menneville making that Miracle Mile final. That's the show. Let's get stuck into an ad break. We'll come back the other side with Dean Atkinson. Welcome back to Tarot's Life and we're joined by Dean Atkinson who... Uh, and I'll declare my interest here, my, f- my father, and maybe my mum had shares in them as well. I can never remember. Mum and Dad used to, some were in just Dad's name, some were in both names, had a couple of shares in horses with Dean over the journey. Dean, firstly, mate, how are you, and whereabouts are you today? Um, good,
3: thanks, yeah. I'm up in New South Wales at, at Maroolan, at our property,
2: Tell us, mate. Um, what initially got you into harness racing? Is there a family connection? Was it your parents, or did some some mate of yours drag you in?
3: No, no, no. Used to go to the gallops, and with my dad, he he was a mad punter. And then, um, when I was leaving school, I wanted to be a a farrier. Yeah. So I went and got a job with Kevin Murray at Wallan. Yeah, yeah. And learnt the game off him, but never learnt shoeing.
2: Yeah.
3: And then um, it just went from there. Yeah. I ha- had a few other jobs. Um, Kevin Innes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, Peter
3: yeah. McCraw at Kilmore. Yep, yep. And then I went to Tubby Pieces.
2: Yeah.
3: And then when he moved to the sydney stables set up the stables in sydney i i I come up here with andrew yeah and yeah been up here ever since
2: oh yeah like back in level advice days with tubby
3: yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah. yeah no it was a good time
2: now the first horse i could find uh that you had a bit of success with anyway was a horse called royal shame Back in 1994, and I noticed uh, one of the owner's names stood out to me too, N Atkinson.
3: Yeah, that that was our first horse, me and my wife. Yep. We got it from New Zealand, only a cheapie, but um, he done a good job. He, he won, a, oh, I reckon, about 10 races. He won on Miracle Mile Night at Harold Park. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so no, he done a good job for us. He done a very good job. So and then yeah, we just went from there. We've always the wife and I we've always had one of two of our own. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well,
3: yeah, so had another young horse called Tarboy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was a nice horse. He we sent him down to Don Dove. He won a couple with him but then he went sore.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Ta- so, yeah, yeah.
2: Lord of Darkness. Now, this this might be a bit of a, a bad omen for you, or a good omen, right? In yeah, 1999, he yeah. ran second in the Sapling Stakes to Smooth Satin of all horses. He ran, yeah. s- which you go into the Sapling Stakes on Saturday night. So I might have cursed you here. Second, <laughs> second in the two-year-old Vic Vicbred. Second in the two-year-old Breeders' Crown. Uh, and he, he just ran some really good seconds as a young horse, so hopefully Wipeout doesn't have that same same fortune, yeah. but he must have been a really nice horse.
3: He was a lovely horse. The McDowell family had him, yep. and they let me train him for him. Um, would have been lovely to win a group race for Colin and Cheryl, but yeah. never happened. But he, he was a good horse for us, so hopefully Wipeout can... Be as good as him, hopefully down the track.
2: Maybe even go one better somewhere. He ran, he ran eighth in a Derby Prelude. You've had a couple of other horses get to that level. Qatari Flight uh, ran seventh in a Derby heat, and Patches, who was probably your best horse, maybe he's won eighteen races. He ran seventh in a Derby heat. They've all been good, good horses without ever really striking an out-and-out star.
3: Yeah, yeah, they've been nice horses, but. Just probably a step below the real good ones. But, they, you know, while we had him, we enjoyed him. And then they, we had a nice trotter too called On the Jasmine.
2: Yep, he won a Nick Robin Memorial, a Group 3 race, a uh, Cobram Cup down with yep. Um And he was a really good trotter, wasn't he? He just won races.
3: Yeah, just a good trier. Just tried his heart out all the time.
2: So those connections, uh, Victorian owners who I know well, Rick Baylor's been a big supporter of, of you for the last, oh, it'll be 20 years, mate.
3: Yeah, exactly. I'd be lost without Rick and his family. Rick's just stuck by me. Yep. Um, his son's in a few horses now with Rick, and even Rick's daughter, Michelle,'s got a share in Wipeout. So, but, yeah, no, nah, Rick loves his horses. He... Um, The money he puts in, he probably doesn't get back out. He's got a lot of gallopers as well. Yeah, yeah. But but he he just loves the horses. And uh, matter of fact, he's driving up on Friday with his son.
2: Yeah.
3: And we've got two in at Wagga. Yeah. And then they're going to continue on and be there Saturday night for Wipeout.
2: So who are the two in at Wagga, mate?
3: Um, A mare called Dragon Tattoo. yep. Mm -hmm. She should win. Ooh. I'm very confident with her. And another horse called RNR Beach. Yeah. He, he goes all right. He just needs a bit of time. He's just got a few issues, but he's getting there. Uh,
2: have you got a driver yet down for Dragon Tattoo? Because I just want to see if he's in your harness fantasy, that's all.
3: Blake Mickless.
2: Yeah right. We might have to talk about that off air because I'm in this harness fantasy challenge and I need Jackson Painting to get me some points.
3: All oh, right. Yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> if he's got a drive in
3: that race, I don't think he'll win it. <laughs>
2: she's she's an interesting horse dragon fantasy because tattoo. Uh, dragon tattoo. Sorry. Yeah, she, she's. Not the sort of standard horse you get. You seem to normally get them from New Zealand. This one's been here for some time. And she's just had the four starts for you for the two wins now. So she's obviously uh, enjoying her stay with you anyway.
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm the luckiest person around because I've got the two best owners <laughs> yeah. you could ever ask for. I've got Rick Bayless and another man called Brian Patrick. Yeah. Now, Brian, he wanted to buy a mare to breed with. yeah. So she was on the harness trader for sale and we ended up buying her and we'll breed with her next year. And um yeah, she seems very happy here. Her her first start was very good. She galloped out and made up a lot of ground, then she won her next two and then she ran fifth at Menangle Behind that good New Zealand filly um, that raced in the Oaks last week,
2: Kalua Flyby, yeah, yeah,
3: and she went good there. She she made up a lot of ground, and then she just had we give her a couple of weeks off, and she had a run at Penrith, and probably just needed the run. But her works, yeah, been very good since.
2: Yeah, well, Rick, if Rick's going to be there at Wagga, then um, get in early on the punt. I, it would be my <laughs> <Yeah>. tip. Tip. Yeah, <laughs> be <laughs> our lucky charm, hopefully. <laughs>
3: yeah, no, he's a good man.
2: Ta- tell us a bit more about wipe out. It was in the APG sales, but was withdrawn from the sale.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a bit to do with the Nicholas family, who they're from Young and they got a lot of brood mares down there and they've got a good breeding system going. Yep. So he, he mentioned one day that he had a real nice yearling, but he, he had a paddock accident, so he had to withdraw him out of the APG sale. Yeah. So the son and I went down and had a look at him and liked him and he just needed you know, a bit of time off. So, yeah, Rick and Brian... Oh, no, Brian didn't go in him. Um, Yeah, Rick and we brought him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he showed ability from day one. He's a... Not a real big horse, but, he yeah, he's a long horse.
2: Yeah.
3: And um, he's always been... Always showed ability. He's probably... He's down for his downfall is he's still green. He's very green, so um, we'll just take our time with him and but he he's got a bit of ability.
2: Well if he if he's missed a bit of time and he's already had a bit of an injury and he still made it as an early two year old, it's no surprise he's a little bit green if that makes sense.
3: <laughs> exactly, exactly. The the First sign he shows us that he needs to go out, he'll be going out. Like, yeah, yeah. We'll get the sapling. If he pulls up well, well, we'll try and go back first. Yep. If not, but we'll let him tell us.
2: It, is he eligible for the APG? Because no, no, no he's not because he's withdrawn. Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. It's a shame, but that's the way it ha- goes.
2: All right, Dean, thanks so much for coming on, mate. Uh, great to catch up. I haven't spoken to you in a long time. I probably haven't yeah, yeah, s- no, no. S- seen, or, seen or spoken to you since since my late father's funeral, which you came yeah, down all well, the way from Sydney for, which we appreciated very much.
3: You're right. He was a good man too. He was very good to me. He enjoyed his phone calls every week.
2: Yeah. Dean, uh, no. Best of luck on Saturday night with Wipeout and uh, have a bit of fun with the uh, Bayless boys while they're up there. I've been away with Brady a few times and <laughs> I could tell you a hundred stories. None of them for on, yeah. are for on air, though. <laughs> I don't think I can keep up with him. <laughs> Very good thing. Thanks, mate, and All best right. of luck Thanks Saturday night. for your time. No worries, mate. Thank then. you. Bye. There is Dean Atkinson from Sydney with a very nice little two-year-old wipeout. He's won the three trials, and he goes into a sapling stakes. And hopefully for Dean, he can go one better than Lord of Darkness did in 1999. Uh, Welcome back to Trot's Life. There's a bit of support coming in off the text machine, for Darren Carroll absolutely gives... Maddie Winburn as a tipster. I was only joking. Oh, I did do the interview with Greg Schofield and Darren hasn't credited me. So uh, just having a bit of fun with Darren. Heard on the news then, it's one of my favourite little stories this, about Ed Sheeran. I should have played an Ed Sheeran song, shouldn't I? About Ed Sheeran going to the Royal Children's Hospital. Reminds me of a time when my boy uh, Olvo spent spent 100 nights in the Royal Children's in the first 18 months of his life. And... Daisy Thomas was playing for Collingwood at the time and he was doing a bit of a tour around the hospital and he came in and I was having a bit of a chat to him. He asked me who I barracked for and I said, oh, the Bulldogs. And he said, oh, who's, who's your son barracked for? And I said, oh, he barracks for Collingwood. He looked at me a little bit surprised and I said, well, he has to, mate. And he says, why is that? And I sort of opened up his mouth and showed him his teeth and he's looking at me, stupid Daisy Thomas. I said, he's missing a couple of teeth there. So he has to barrack for Collingwood if he misses a couple of teeth. He gets automatic membership, doesn't he? Oh, you should have seen Daisy's face. He, he didn't know whether to laugh or cry, <laughs> I think. He was uh, halfway about to belt me, but he couldn't uh, in the hospital. Uh, it was just one of those moments, having a bit of fun. In And when you're in those situations, and at that time he was a pretty unwell boy, um, it was sort of the only thing that got you through, having a bit of humour about it. Uh, Now, Mildura, the serious note. So Darren's tipped in races 8, 9, and 11. Greg Schofield's the topic of this. He's tipped one of Greg's. Rikiro Storm in race 6 is a dead set, certainly No, This thing, it'll win this race. It's drawn gate 2, should cross the bands of playing easily. It's a nice horse, don't worry. It's had the three runs in Australia, ran second to... Fletch Maguire, who's had four starts in Australia for four wins. Uh, it then won its second start at Globe Derby. Forget about the Mount Gambier run. Greg Schofield bats at a career average of 27% strike rates. And what, better than a one in four wins to starts. It'll win this race for Kiro Storm. It's the best horse in the race. It's got gate two, $2.50. It is an absolute certainty. Would love to have got the 310 on offer earlier for you. Uh, and my other tip so Darren's got tips in races eight and nine. I'm six and 10, so we've got plenty to play with tonight at Mildura. Race 10, number two, Jay Miller comes in a gate one. You could back this horse each way, but $2.30, the place? It's going to hold the front for a period of time. Cops any pressure, hands up, maybe to Denzel, the bro, the favourite. I don't think it can beat Denzel DeBro. I have no issue with that. But 2.30 the place for Jay Miller. So keep things simple tonight. 100 the win, Rikiro Storm at 2.50. 100 the place, Jay Miller at 2.30 if you're betting $200 across the meeting. That's my game plan. But basically, race 6, number 2, between Darren and I, race 6, number 2, Rikiro Storm at $2.50. Race 8, number 1, Coco Beach at two sixty. dollars Race 9, number 5, Jules of Lincoln at $2.00. Race 10, number two, Jay Miller, $2.30, the place. And race 11, number three, where you going, babe, $2.30, the win. You've got a real good interest there in what, races four, six, eight, uh, races, sorry, six, eight, nine, ten, 10, and 11. And you can just sit back for a couple of hours tonight, have a little play and see if we can get you some money. Let's get to a break. We'll come back with Garrick Knight on the other side. Welcome back to Trot's Life. Uh, yeah, my tips did not go out. Thank you, big fella. My tips are race six, number two, Rikiro Storm at $2.50, and race 10, number two, Jay Miller, The Place at $2.30. The Place, I think, Rikiro Storm should be a $1.30 chance. It's $2.50. And I think Jay Miller gets the gun run behind the leader or holds up the front and at 2.30 the place. I'm not sure it can win. I don't think it can beat the favourite, but it's a great place, Chad. So I can recap that a bit later too, big fella. Garrick Knight is on the line. He's brought to us by Knight Exports. So if you're looking for a Kiwi horse, email garrick at knightexports.com or find him on Twitter at Knight. Now, Garrick, uh, we might first, oh, I better ask how you are and uh, what you're up to today.
1: <laughs> I'm just floored, actually, I didn't get my specialised introduction, there must truly be some gremlins in the system today, um, I'm sitting in my car, no no surprise anyone, in the rain in Auckland, um, I was actually just about to go inside and grab some lunch from a local cafe after, I had a very busy morning and I just, uh, yeah, had an hour and a half to myself but I thought, you know what, I'll take some time out of my day to speak to Toby, my good mate and my fans across the ditch.
2: Yep. Uh, yeah, all your fans are listening in, mate. All, and uh, he texted. He texted me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, something's going on here. At, uh, in the first, uh, in the last ten minutes. That's okay. Got a great chat. Got a wonderful, wonderful chat coming up. I've pre-recorded it. Uh, it's no secret with a guy named Michael Hunt that trained a horse called Menerville that made the '96 uh, Miracle Mile, which no doubt you'd recall. Uh, well, I don't recall a heck
1: of a lot about Manorville, to be honest, but yeah, the '96 Miracle Mile was at Araclis, Ricky May, I think, Correct. from memory. Um, yeah, yeah, that was back in the Halcyon days when we dominated that race, I think, between Araclis and Chokin and Holmes DG and Cullen. We won about, I don't know, half a dozen there in about eight or nine years, didn't we, at one point?
2: Yeah, well, yep, and you won't be winning it this year, that is for sure. No, unfortunately, it doesn't look like uh, there'll be much of a...
1: Well, I suppose the closest we've got, um, Brave U Kelly's owned over here, and so, some shareholders in the spirit of St. Louis uh, are over here as well. So those about... I think I think we would call Brave U Kelly a New Zealand success because Jack Trainers is a Kiwi. Um, and I suppose, very yeah. very, yeah, yeah, and owned by a farmer down in deep south, south one. So... Yep, I guess she's uh, she's wearing our, our hat this week. Unfortunately, she's the outsider, which doesn't bode well. Uh, but I guess on the interesting side of things, we get a new winner this year after a three-peat by the champion, King of Swing. Someone
2: else finally gets a turn. Yeah, true, true. Now, we might get stuck into what we've got to do and, um Boots Properties Group. I might even still have that audio. He's uh, bought another one. This time, Ellen Bartley was at the end of it. Uh, Mickey Pins, who has its first start uh, today. I'm not sure you can add too much when they're a first starter. You either can or you can't, I suppose.
1: Uh, Very limited to what I can say, but I would say this. So enamored was I with this horse's trials that I made inquiries myself to try and buy him because a great guy to buy off Robin Swain and this horse looked very, very sharp. I think the brother, Captain Pins, maybe. Is that what its name is? Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So this is the half-brother by Always Me, Mickey. It looks just as good in my mind. Very sharp speed. So Blake and Ellen, I think they'll have plenty of fun with this horse. So um, provided he can get out the gate okay, sometimes Robins, Ones, any of those horses down the Deep South, they, they can't take a bit of time to get used to the... The speed, early speed in races, but once the penny drops, he'll be away. He's a nice horse.
2: Now, uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, Colin Baines was really, uh, really good friends with our family, and uh, we had a lot to do with Colin, bought a lot of horses from him, and Robin is his son-in-law. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think yep. you're right. Very, uh, uh, the Baines and Swain family is very um, prominent down the Deep South. I think Colin... Although he was, I would can't say this for certain, but I think he was hands-off by this stage. He was still a licensed trainer when he was about 91 or 92 and still yeah. recording winners officially. So I actually had someone ring me the other day, maybe a couple of weeks ago, doing a story about someone who'd trained a winner in their late 80s and wanted to know if that was a record. And I, I said, no, I'm pretty sure Colin Bain was in his 90s, which is an achievement in it itself.
2: Had a real good horse called Roman Gladiator, but we digress. Uh, Penrith on Thursday, race nine, number one, Rio de Janeiro blue for Captain Cam Hart. I'm calling him because he's, cap- he's got the captain again this week and I'm feeling really confident I'm going to get the win this week in Harness Fantasy Challenge. I think it's mine for the taking. He's driving Rio, Rio de Janeiro blue, mate.
1: We'll go down, we won't go down the rabbit hole of fancy harness just at this point. Uh, we'll just get through these horses first. Yeah, Rio de Janeiro Blue um, had three starts here, all at Cambridge for Stephen Reed. He's not a big horse. He's only a wee fella. What concerned me, he showed absolutely no gate speed. The one time he drew well, he drew two and fell out of the gate. He did. Have, he did finish off well twice though. Um, and once he sat parked and dug in, okay. So, look, he's got a wee bit of ability there. Uh, but draw on one, I'm going to want to see... Yeah, Penrith, you definitely want to see some early pep. And the only um, evidence file we have on that, he didn't show that. So, bet with caution this week.
2: Race Wagga. And now, this is an interesting race, because we've already discussed this race at one stage. And a horse comes over called Skittlebomb, who we've seen Lottie Moon come over before, who's a... Brother to Skittle Bomb now, uh, Mitchell Atkinson trains a horse called R&R Beach. That's Dean Atkinson's son. We just had Dean on, and you've probably dealt with Dean at some stages over your career. He didn't sound real confident on R&R Beach. So Skittle Bomb draws two next door, and I would say that if it wants to go forward and get to the front off the back of what Dean said, then there's a pretty good chance it'll do that. So I'm pretty interested in this runner, Skittlebomb, for Blake Micheloff.
1: Yeah, and his new owner, Boots Properties Racing oh, Property what, Limited. What a surprise. Um, what a surprise, yes. No, look, um, look, I, I thought he was just okay as a three-year-old last year, but his return win at Adding, uh, Ashburton, I think it was Christmas Eve or just before, a couple of days before, it was really impressive. He's furnished into a lovely, big, strong horse, really nice type. Um, the way he let down, I mean, Addington, uh, sorry, Ashburton, it's a big track with a big straight. So that gives us a little sample size for Wagger, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think just looking at him physically, he's he's come on this prep, this this time, and we're going to see the best of him. So, yeah, if he's take confident with his horse, then it might be line up and back on time.
2: I tell you, is that rain we could hear in the background then? Absolutely belting down. Yeah, it is. I'm sitting in the car and the choice is to sit in the car and
1: hope the rain eases or go into a restaurant and be that guy that talks loudly <laughs> in the restaurant. Uh, well, it's a cafe, so I opted to sit in the car, so I'm sorry for the loud rain. But this is this is life in Auckland, unfortunately, as we've all come to learn in the last month or so.
2: Uh, right, so if you were that guy in the cafe, they, you would be saying, call me trouble. Uh, race 10, number 7, a trotter that lands in Queensland. It's an intriguing horse. It's... Uh, well, out of a mare called Sun Trapped, which obviously you're not at the moment, but it's got a lot of that sort of third to seventh in its form. And, and that tells me it's got a bit of ability, but it was just needs to find the right handicapping system.
1: Well, he actually won a lot of races quickly once he joined. Zach Butcher had him over here, obviously one of the great young horsemen, um, fashioning a good record as a trainer, Zachary. And he won three in a row, I think, to start his career up here. And, he very quickly found himself. When you, Up here in Auckland, especially, um, you know, you'll end up racing temporarily and Bolt for Brilliance and yeah. those kind of horses. And yeah. he's not as good as those top half a dozen, uh, especially in handicaps, because he, he can gallop a few times. He's got a few tricks. But mobiles, the mobile racing will suit him a lot better. Um, and, yeah, I think he will thrive over there. Like, he's 12 races, 140 grand odd. You don't do that in New Zealand and to, as a trotter. You've got some ability. And I think he'd probably, for lack of a better term, he'd reached his mark here and the time came to sell him. And Mark Reeves and has put has put together a, uh, a syndicate to buy him. And, I think you know, there's, there's a lot of big races coming up on the new schedule up there in Queensland. And he obviously figured that uh, this horse was going to fit in nicely. So I'll be very interested to see how he adapts to life in the Sunshine
2: State. Now, mate, I've worked. Well, yeah, go. Go, sorry. No, he's a, he's
1: a nice, big, strapping, long-gaited, like long-striding He He's—he's he's quite. When he's in, in the mood, he's quite a sight.
2: So he's a real Sundon type. Yeah. 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 Now I've learnt something about this Miracle Mile, right? Discussions about the Miracle Mile are like having a beer after every one—you know—that little bit less. Because, or you get a little bit more confused about life, right? I I thought I had it sussed out. I've had six discussions since, and I'm I know less and less every time I have a discussion. So, I'm oh, that's my saying now that every time I have a discussion about the Miracle Mile, I get that little bit more inebriated. I think I just can't work this race out. What's your take yeah. on it? And can you get me that little bit further down uh, down that that tra- down that uh, road? I'm only
1: going to go on what I've seen in the lead-up races, and the two most impressive wins for me were A Wave and Mark Dan.
2: Wow. So I'm going to
1: go with them. Uh, Mark Dan, Newcastle Mile, absolutely wonderful win. Uh, a Wave, we know how he was defeating the superstar, uh, Captain Ravishing, in the lead-up, so in the char- Chariots of Fire. So those are the two I'll be lumping with, but, I mean, geez, it's one of those races, as you know, as everyone knows, I would, there's probably six at least there that you can make a strong case for. Um, can I just note, spread of St. Louis. Is this horse the luckiest horse in Australia? I geez, gets gets he gets some Barry Jaws, doesn't he? Um, however, yeah, the uh, connections here, they have um, they have had enjoyed a very, very fruitful run with Barry Jaws. He's a wonderfully consistent horse, and from that draw with Jack Callahan, you know he's going to be in the fight of it as well. But I guess it just comes down to who's going to lead. Will Kate Gath cross or will Matt Dan get across for her? He's very sharp. Um does, does Mark light up Captain Ravishing? Does David Moran light up Honolulu Bay and try and hold the front the whole way? I mean, he's, he's got the respect factor there. So I, I think probably the key of the race is what Kate Gaff does, and that'll probably determine, you know, the result at the end. So I'll be keeping an eye out if someone interviews her this week or Andy uh, and, and try and get inside their minds for their, their tactics because that will tell me a lot.
2: He said pre-barrier draw last Saturday night in an interview with him on Trot's Vision that he thinks the horse is best in front. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued, mate. Are you putting any weight on the fact that a Wave and Mac Dan didn't race last Saturday night? Neither did Captain Ravishing. They're the three that go into the race with a week off. And I think the modern equine athlete that these horses are, I think having that week off's a huge advantage in the modern day.
1: It is a big advantage, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, some of the uh, some of the esteemed horsemen I talked to up over here in Auckland. We, had, well, for a long time recently, we had what we call mild nights at Alexandra Park, hmm. and a few of these, I used to, a few of these guys um, used to tell me, like Tony Hurley, he was one in particular, whose opinion you have to respect as a trainer <laughs> and a driver. He told me he felt his horses were, they were. They, it took more out of them racing a mile than it did racing yeah. 2200 yeah. or 2700. Um, yep, yep. So yeah, those ones especially last. I mean, brave Kelly. She had a huge. It was a that was a that huge was. performance. But gee, she had a tough run. Mm. So, but uh, what I would say is this: in, in the first of the two qualifiers last week, they didn't have much of a run, did they? They really only spr- sprinted up the straight. So, um, you know, spread of St. Louis and, and the, the couple behind him. So maybe it won't have affected them too much. Well, um,
2: well they, trial, they run trials quicker at that level at Menangle than what they ran in that race in Spirit of St. Louis.
1: Yeah, well, I'm still a little bit sore on it because obviously there was a couple of Kiwi horses in that race and they, like betty Joe, I, I I would have no doubt saying Betty Joe would measure up in the Miracle Mile if he was in it. It's just a shame he didn't have the right draw on the race it didn't pan out for him to, to get into the final, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, perhaps a little bit salty about that, but uh, coming from New Zealand, I am used to watching walk sprints.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, just in black cap style, you just need one run, don't you, sometimes?
1: One run. Jeez, what a great day to be a cricket <laughs> fan yesterday, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> I was. I'm, thinking I'm of told you. that I'm. I'm told England now join Australia as the second Test nation to lose after enforcing the follow-on. So, um, congratulations to you guys over there. You no longer have the stigma of being the only nation to have endured that.
2: Yeah, um, I was thrilled for you. I was enjoying listening to it on the radio, and then uh, I was thinking of you. <laughs> you would have been riding it ball by ball, <laughs> wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, certainly was, certainly was. Um, over here, you don't actually get it on TV. You have to watch it online, um, which is sure. just the state of play. So, and uh, yeah, the, the, it was buffering a little bit. We wouldn't get ideal viewing, so circu- uh, an ideal viewing situation, but we got there. Uh, just quickly, harness fantasy, you say, Captain. This week, we had a big chat last week, didn't we? I was big on uh, Jack Callahan, and I was getting a bit of uh, you're getting a bit of abuse after the first couple <laughs> of days last week. I, I will say this: yes, Cam did end up getting the most points, but by Saturday night, Jack had actually got back in front of him and it was the brave Hugh Kelly that, that got Cam over the line. So, yep, um, didn't quite go my way last week. Uh, I think I dropped from 8th to about 21st um, mm. and I'm ruling dropping Jack uh, Josh Gallagher. Uh, oh, I he had a great him in favor of, yesterday. Dropped him in favour of Jack Trainer last week ooh. and, jeez, that was a very... That was not a good, a good move, so...
2: Ooh. Mm,
1: mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh. Yeah.
2: Um, on that note... Um, well, you'll go back, uh, reassess, mate, and uh, we'll do it all again next week post-Miracle Mile. Thanks for drawing board. I'm looking forward to listening to that Manorville chat later on as well. Yeah, make sure you catch yes. that. Good on you, mate. we are got to get to a break. See ya, bye. Welcome back to Trot's Life. We thank Garrick Knight once again for his wonderful involvement. And uh, there's a funny little story. When Cam Hart won a race last week on an 80-to-1 shot, I had a text message from my brother who made him captain and a text message from Garrick Knight. Uh, it, was, it was about oh, four minutes after the start of the running of the race, so it must have been right as the race finished, as soon as they crossed the line. They both text me about their Harness Fantasy uh, Racing Challenge, which just shows what a job this this challenge has done. Stay tuned. Up after the break, Michael Hunt. This is as good as it gets, I reckon, on Trot's life. I enjoyed this immensely, I hope you do as well. Welcome back to Tarot's Life and a chat I've been looking forward to since I spoke to him yesterday with Michael Hunt. Michael, firstly, mate, uh, how are you? And tell us, uh, where are you today?
0: I'm fine, thank you. And um, I'm on the south coast of New South Wales. uh, Back forest is the place between Berry and Shoalhaven Heads.
2: You sent me a beautiful photo actually yesterday, and there's a, there's a front fence, and written on the front fence is Menerville, and we'll get to Menerville at some stage in this chat, no doubt. Uh, obviously, you've named the property after after your star pacer from a bygone era ago. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, not only that, like a, a Ville is, is is sort of a town, like we have Townsville and Emmaville and so forth. Yep. And and uh and Manabil's close relative in in the pacing side of things was Edithville. Yep. And uh it's sort of a place and a great name, so actually it was <laughs> it was to be named after my middle daughter, Amanda, but that I spelled the application wrong and uh and put manor in instead of Mandy, Mandyville or Manorville, whatever I was going to do. And uh, Yeah, that's how the name came about.
2: <laughs> well, that's funny because I always sort of thought by Southern Gentleman, you were going with, you know, a gentleman has a nice manor about himself. So that's where I thought you got the manor from and then obviously the ville from Edithville. So I was well off the mark then. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it looks that
2: way. <laughs> <laughs> well let's, let's let's wind it back a little bit and I suppose I think all of this starts with you and the story in harness racing starts with a couple of mares, tan Kate and Tan Lady, is that right?
0: Yes, and either Phil. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well they were owned by my father in law, Harry Walker. Um who was the inaugural secondary manager of Dapto Leagues Club, yeah. and um, they had a, a, a trotting syndicate going. And um, I'm not sure of the um, the process, but he finished up later on to, uh, to have his own brood mares, and um, and he had he had a couple of paces with Dick Frost, who was also at Adaptar. Yeah. For some time, I remember that. I mean, I had my own life back in those days, and um, and then later on, uh, he was with Richard Hancock, Richard and Brian, which was um, also adapter. Yeah. And um, yeah, and in, and during that time, um, we pulled up stumps from the south coast, and and we moved to Moree, and. Um, and you know Harry was doing his thing with the trotters, and I was doing my thing with my business in Maury and uh, and then he he passed away in 1983, unfortunately. And, um, hmm. and it was about the same time he had a really nice horse too. You may recall uh, Blacktop. He um, he came second in the Hunter Cup, and we actually flew down and watched him. That, uh, that yeah. was just after Harry, Harry died, I think. Yeah. Um, but Blacktop was, uh, the full sister to Edithville. Yep. I might be, I might be getting away from your question here, but... No, no, no. But 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 anyway, uh, uh, after that, um... Um, the burden of the, of the horses on, on Mrs. Walker, Mrs. Lila Walker, um, Harry's wife, and our mother-in-law, or my mother-in-law, um we offered, because we had a, a few acres up in Maury and we offered to look after them for her just, just for adjustment because she was getting adjustment bills and that she actually wrote a letter saying that she couldn't keep it up. And um, anyway, we offered to take them, which we did. And um, and our, our, our three daughters were... Um, primary school and that up in Maury and uh, they were involved in the pony club and uh, mini-trotting and that sort of thing and I got involved in the showground up there. And, um, yeah, well, well, the, Mrs. Walker died then in 1987. Sorry, I should have mentioned that.
2: Hmm.
0: And um, and that's how I finished up with with, with the mayors and um, I was sort of just... Helping to run the showground up there, as far as the trots were and the mini trots and that sort of thing, and uh, uh, a couple of the guys from Warrior, the Leon Cross, and, and a few other guys said they're pretty well bred. You should uh, do something with them. I said, well, I, I didn't have a license or anything like that, and uh, hmm. well, one of the horses that that didn't do too good at, at Maury Trots, <laughs> which is a which is not a hard thing to do, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I finished up uh, winning this horse, bashing Tosco at a game of snooker after the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah. And that, uh, yeah, and that, and that's how I finished up. Uh, I, I sort of educated myself with that. And um.
2: So hang on, hang on, hang on. You've won this horse in a game of snooker. You've taken him home, and you've just what started training him.
0: Yeah, and. Uh, I think this this was this was prior to my mother-in- law's death. It must have been because we yeah. used to go down there and visit her, and I would go and I would go and spend a few days up at uh, Brian and Richard Hancock's place uh, to to try and learn the game. yeah, and uh, and and was thrilled to death when I got to sit behind horses hype like, Bu noon and that sort of thing, just a training, you know. Yeah, That, yeah. Was, <laughs> that was a big bus, big buzz for me. Um, I used to walk around with a microphone and a tape recorder, and Brian used to always have a shot at me because um he saw me talking to a shelf up there you know, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know it was always it was it was always about taking the piss out of somebody up at Hancock's place but anyway, it was all fun yeah so uh, that i took uh I took heed of the of the uh, words from the harness racing people in Moree and uh, asked Mrs Walker if I could breed from them and that was all okay and um, yeah, that's how it started and uh, and and it sort of ended when I ran out of horses, I mean, I, I probably went through, I had a bit of a count yesterday, went at about 25 yep. um, that we'd bred um, I never bought a horse we yep. just bred them all not that that comes for nothing, but uh, um, yeah, we sort of ran out, and, um, and me being the trainer, I was nobody asked me to train a horse for them.
2: So. <laughs> yeah, yep. Well, I don't know. So, so within ten years of you talking into a microphone and Brian Hancock giving you a bit of stick about it, but ten years later you had a runner in a miracle mile. So, you mentioned a little bit about this to me already yesterday but where do you start to train a horse and and tell us about how you learnt and to, to train a horse
0: well jogging and the long distance work the same as the, tradi- the traditional work um you know what, what 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 was the the normal thing how to how to do them in those days and I just uh, I was just reading up on it all the time and um this fellow in the States, uh Tom Ivers, he, he um he put out a a book and he put out two books actually and, and uh I, I got onto the second book as soon as it hit the bookshelf in, in uh in the bookshop in Randwick and uh I started interval training with it, which takes quite a long time and a, a lot of people don't like it. It, it, it might fire the horse up a little bit. Hmm. But Tom Ivers said, "Send his book. If it fires them up a bit too much, we'll get another driver." But, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, that's how I started because I, I wasn't I wasn't born on a horseback, but and uh, I know how to read when they had enough. But um, I had my heart rate meters and I had I had speedos on my sulky and uh, and yeah, just did it sort of. Did it that way, and it, and it all paid off. Like I knew on my road they could run before I went to the track. Mm.
2: Yeah, amazing. So, what would you do? So, what 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 would be a morning of interval work? Would it be would it, it three <coughs> one thousand meter heats, or what was that? What was it exactly? Do you do you recall?
0: I do. It was long distance jogging to start with, and then you start. Then you went with uh, uh, three one mile hit outs. Yeah, with a ten minute re- with a ten minute rest period until you got to a certain level, yeah, um, which might take you six weeks, and then you'd go to four, um, yeah, four three quarter mile sprints, a little bit faster, yep, and with, with a seven minute rest period in between, and then after that you'd go um, for another month or two. Trying to hone it down to race speed, doing six half-mile sprints with a five-minute rest period in between. So you're on the track like for three quarters of an hour for each horse. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and not pushing them, and and, and hoping their recovery would be would be a reasonable heart rate after a minute's rest. And uh, <laughs> and I used to do that around narrow track and. Uh, from statistics, you, you sort of half knew how much faster Harold Park was than than Nara, and if I could do a a, a thirty-one quarter at Nara, I could probably do a twenty-nine quarter at Harold Park. You know, <laughs> so you knew what speed you could run. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a long process, but um, yeah, it worked all right. It's,
2: it's it certainly did work all right so menville i think menville was the first horse you bred was he oh no 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 not
0: by long no not by a long shot oh, no. okay no I, like i said before i had about twenty five all up in my <laughs>
2: yeah. harness
0: racing career yeah um some of some of the more um so, well, my better horses, you know, i not those. I don't all get to the track, but uh, I just I wrote a bit of a list down before you rang me.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, mm-hmm. I had horses called Dear Henry. Yep. Eliza's Girl or oh, Dear Henry. That was uh, that was after the father-in-law. Then Eliza's Girl. Eliza was, Elila was her name. Oh. And we had Menadou. Menadou. He won at Brisbane and Harold Park. Big H, one of Brisbane and Harold Park as well.
2: Was that after Harry? Yeah.
0: Yes. Yep. Then we had then we had Terralong after the main street in Kyama, where my eldest daughter was married and, and we had Winema Away, which was the name of the street in Berkeley. And we had Capacious. They, they were our best horses. And Man Manaville, was probably the fastest. Terrellong was the toughest. Big H and Menado weren't far behind them either.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah, well he was he was a terrific horse, Terralong. He won sixteen races for you and eight of those were at Harold Park. Not all metros, but majority of those eight were Metro races. He's a very nice horse. Metro.
0: Yeah, Scotty Osman was driving him then. <laughs> I probably
2: had too much skin off my elbow by then, I think. <laughs> Very clever. Now, tell us a bit about Manavelli. He, he's the one that is still discussed to this day. He comes up every miracle mile, people talk about him. One way or another he gets mentioned, particularly in the lead up to the Miracle Mile. He was he was famously included into a miracle mile, but we'll we'll get to that in, in part of his journey. I see he had his first start as a three year old at Toowoomba in 1992. So, where were you living at that stage?
0: Well, we were at Maury. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I don't, you've got the record in front of you. I don't know how many starts he had up in the northwest. But but I I thought he was a bit too good for up here. Yeah. Where we were. We were. I sent him down to uh, Richard and Darren. And they gave him a go for a while. And um, I don't know, after a period of time, maybe a year, I can't remember how how long, but um, they didn't think he had matured enough. And um, and they they sent him back up up to me. And uh, I don't think I did much else with him up there because I was probably moving back down to the south coast by then. Yep. and started tra- training him again down here. And um, and he just um, he went from stride to stride there. We won a major race at Bulleye, um, $10,000 race there, and uh, a few nice crystal glasses. And next thing we know, he started running time, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so there we were. <laughs> we, uh, we, we got into a country championships uh, final, which was scheduled to be run... A fortnight before the
2: Miracle Mile. Um, I might be getting a bit ahead of you. You are. uh, Yeah, he he did win that race at Eye And 93, 94, 95 were only sort of so-so years. And then in 96, right, he had 10 starts in January and February. He won two of those 10 starts. Then uh, from February 29 through March and April... He had 8 starts for 6 wins in 1996. He just what what happened in that period? He just really found found form or or do you remember a change in him or was it just he, he finally matured and was handling all the all the training or what was the difference that turned him at that point?
0: I think I'd have to have a look up on my credit card statement to find out when I bought that book from Tom Ivers. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I think that I think that's really when it turned the corner. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's called the Fit Race Horse for anyone that's listening.
2: Yep, the Fit Race Horse, yeah, okay.
0: The Fit Race Horse Two actually was the book I got, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that was, that was a that was the, that's all I could put it down to. So th- um Yeah, When when did we move down here? It was it was around about the mid nineties when we moved down here. Yeah, well, that that's indicative from where the horse raced, which you
2: had there. Yeah, well, that that all makes sense. He then had a spell from the April to October, and this is his Miracle Mile campaign. He ran second first up at Harold Park. He then ran eighth, and uh, he 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 sulky was contacted, so I'd imagine he had issues there. And then he won at Harold Park on the fifteenth of November, and it was a heat of a race came back a fortnight later and he won the final in sensational fashion on the night in 1.55.5, which was a track record at the time. And to put it in perspective, they were called the corner Sprints at the time. Alsa Vansalot won a sprint in 1.57.6 and Rainbow Knight won the other sprint in 1.55.9. And Norm's daughter actually equaled the time of Meneville on the night in the Ladyship Mile in 1.55.5. So just... Take us back to that race uh, a week before the Miracle Mile. I would imagine you had no thought, no hope, no under- no even inkling that you'd ever be in a Miracle Mile at this point. You just took him to the trots to win a $20,000 final at, at, at Harold Park, surely.
0: Well, if I can take you back another week before that. Yeah, yeah, go. That's, that's when the final was scheduled to be. Okay. Um, But it was rained out. So I was given I was given the choice then by Harold Park to either race in the Qantas Sprints, yeah, or or race in the um, the country final, whatever it was. Yep, yep. And I said I said, well, is it going to be the same barrier draw uh, for the country final? They said it would be, which was barrier two. I had already drawn that, but. In the week prior to the Qantas Sprints, I'd already drawn the barrier two, so they said yes. That's a, you would hold that. So they said, I said, well, would you have a look at me for the Miracle Mile out of that country race? And they said, yeah, if the time's good enough. So I said, well, I'll stay with the country championships and and opt out of risking a barrier two, uh, forfeiting a barrier two for the Qantas Sprints. Hmm. That's what I did. Hmm. And if you uh, if you look at the if you look at the race you'll see me looking across it, you remember they used to put the, the quarters up on the on the board on the other side of the racetrack? You'll <laughs> yeah. see me looking you'll see me looking across there uh, to see what quarters I was running and I led all the way. So I I, I didn't um, come off the back of somebody and uh, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. doing it the easy way. He led all the way. And to me, he deserved to be there. Do, do you, uh, I, know, I, know, I know people are saying he, he he hadn't performed against tested, proven horses, but uh, I, I don't think the horse knows what grade the horse next to him is in the race. And anyway, I was out in front, and I've still got the photo on my wall with me going across the line in one fifty-five-five with a tight rein. So I think I deserve to be there.
2: What, do you remember what quarters you ran that night? Because it's not listed here in in the records. Oh, I, not off the top of my head, but it would have
0: been 29s.
2: Yeah, so that was the sort of number you would you would happily just sort of cruise along at was 29s yeah, back then.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and then and then just put put to the floor on the home stroke.
2: See, you must have come off the track. They've told you if you run a good enough time, they'll consider you for the miracle mile. And basically, I—if that was me—I would be saying to to the management, "Well, I've broken the track record. I'm the fastest horse ever at Harold Park. What more can I do to get a run in the miracle mile?"
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Look, someone put a microphone in my face. We're walking back to the uh, to the winning post, and uh, I just... I think I said something like I have, I have been selected from watching that, <laughs> something like that. I can't remember exactly <laughs> yeah. what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, there was quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of uh, preaching in the dressing sheds, if you like, after the race as to, um, yeah, especially after the field was announced.
2: Yeah. I don't think. Anyway. I, I don't see any need or. Or want for any animosity towards a person getting their horse in a miracle mile. That's only jealousy and en- and envy coming in, if you ask me. So you get you get the run in the miracle mile, and then take us through the race. And just watching the replay, oh, jeez. If he hadn't have galloped, I just wonder. You just wonder what might have been. Yeah,
0: yeah, I do too. But uh, <laughs>
2: I bet you too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, I certainly couldn't lead the speed that they came out of the race with, and I, I was uh, one out, three back, sitting behind Heracles and, and uh, I was flat out holding my horse off and In fact, it's, it's, it's an unknown thing that uh, my horse, Manabel, clipped, clipped uh, Erocles's tyre, and he came home with a flat tyre for, for over a lap, which is a credit to him and Ricky May, Wow but yeah. um, but going up the back straight i I was like one out three back and there's only six horses in the race, so I'm virtually coming last. I don't go now i'm I'm not going to get there and uh so i I went up and and sat outside the fellow in the death, and uh went around the home turn and um you know i I just I don't blame the horse, but he clipped his knee. I think uh, John Dummett. he said that I'd, I'd struck a sulky or something, but that didn't happen. I was clear um it just clicked his knee and um broke and um I'd pull him back and then there least came out and ran a and ran a um one fifty four three time, which is um yeah good on him He pulled a flat tire for half the race and uh, yeah yeah, yeah, so that was it that was I probably had a lot more to win by. And I mean, a lot more prize money and prestige for, for winning more than uh, the others, maybe. But, uh, you know, I was only trying to drive them. It was a big deal. And, and the nerves of the novice, too. <laughs> uh,
2: well, this is the, the absolute beauty in all this that's probably been lost over time. Here's a guy that got into the sport almost un- unknowingly, <laughs> virtually, we've heard the story. Ten years earlier you'd got into it, in many terms people would probably have referred to you as a hobbyist, and here you are against Robert Cameron, Ricky May, Mark Purden, Brian Hancock, uh, Kelly Kersley had a runner in it, Darren Binskin, Lisa Justice, like you are against. Like, Brian Hancock and Mark Purden are two of our greatest trainers ever in the sport, and drivers, And here's Michael Hunt with them as well. Did did you stop and pinch yourself and say in a 10-year period how it's unbelievable you got a horse to that position, let alone, you know, to be competing in that race? It's just amazing.
0: Yeah, it was quite amazing. You know, it started off the week leading up to the Miracle Mile with the... um,
2: Oh,
0: well, with with the security and all that that comes down to your place and uh, it just puts pressure on you, you know. And they were twenty four you know three or four days before the race they were um sitting outside the stable and all that pressure and then and and then uh this radio fellow ringing trying to ring me up um Fred Fred Badley or something like that was his name he 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 was saying how how long it was um for me to be in there, you know, and he wanted me to pick up the phone to talk to him on the radio and and I wouldn't do that. I I I told him that, yeah, that my number was in the phone book. If anyone wants to ring wing you better they can give me a ring, you know. Yeah. But um yeah, that sort of stuff. All all that build up to it and um and then had the horse break in the home straight. Or you know, I blame myself for that. I think look uh Johnny Tapp thinks I could have won it. Uh, Richard Hancock said I would have won it. Um, I would at least run a place, I'm sure. Oh. But, um,
2: what, yeah. Watching the, yeah. Watching the replay again yet last night, a couple of times I watched it. I'm sure you would have run a place. Whether you would have won, you would have gone mighty close if you didn't break. But we'll <laughs> never know. But I think what else is, is lost in this, Mike, is... The, you've Manaville has given hope uh, to to so many horses leading up to a miracle mile because you know a horse can get picked out of a race that isn't the Qantas sprint if if they perform well enough if something ran ran one forty six on the weekend out of one of the non qualifiers, it could get a run in the miracle mile and and deservingly oh, right. so you know yeah, you've given fun. you've given hope to a lot of people. Yeah,
0: well, 146.9 is the track record. So. Yeah, correct. Uh, yes, um, who has got that. That's uh,
2: my um, field marshal.
0: My field marshal, yeah, yeah, and, and that stood for um, five years now. Um, you know, yeah, anything can happen, really, and um, I just, um, I just didn't like the um, the. Uh, the criticism we got for being in there, you know, that we shouldn't have been there. and geez, I don't know what you've got
2: to do. Anyway. Well, well <laughs> it's not your fault that you were in there and, you know, you're doing your best. It's definitely wasn't your fault. You deserve to be in there. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And it certainly wasn't your fault that you were representing yourself, you know, like that's, yeah, there's no blame to be attributed to you at all. And you shouldn't carry that burden a hundred percent.
0: No, no, well, I'm I've, I've just got uh, I've just got one old patient here now. Who's that? He just, he, uh Jack's rocket. He wasted he a bull eye. He went. He was about two minutes and four. Two minutes. But he's the uh, only one. He won about six thousand bucks. But he, he he was born in '94. So yeah. Okay. Between, he, he's getting on a bit now. <laughs>
2: yeah. Hundred percent. Uh, do you still watch them? Yeah. Do you still watch them regularly, or do you particularly the Miracle Mile? No, I will probably have
0: a look at that one, but that's about it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've got a, I've got a few cattle now. A few, uh,
2: a few yeah. cattle, a few rounds of golf here and there, maybe, and and just enjoying. You've obviously you got the three daughters and and probably grand grandkids, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then none of them are in the horses.
2: <laughs> well, no. well, Michael, thanks for coming on and sharing your story. And pretty, I'm still. I've said it a couple of times. I think in this interview, it's staggering that in a period of ten years, you can go from a total novice in the sport to competing against. Well, Mark Purden and Brian Hancock in in our biggest race, the Miracle Mile, and that's something a real achievement that not many people in this sport have ever done. So, first and foremost, congratulations on that, and thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, um,
0: unfortunately, it's probably there won't be as many stories like mine because it's just it's it's like uh, hmm. rugby league in the bush, like trotting in the bush that would. Just losing the tracks. I mean, when I was in Moree, if you don't mind diverging a bit, when I was back there and involved involved in the showground, we we started a trotting club up there and we had plans drawn up for the showground to to have an 800-metre track there. Um, We went to the Harness Racing Authority to try and get a licence for that. Hmm. Um, we had raised a bit of money up there through uh Jim Karnas and so forth. And Lance DeFrane, who was the president of Inverell Trotting Track at the time, they weren't racing. They offered to relinquish their license to Moree. Hmm. So our club, I was, I was the, the president of the, of the Trotting Club, um, with our local Lord Mayor, with our secretary of the club, with Lance Dufresne, we came down to Bankstown and met with the Harness racing authority to ask if they would give us a license to race up there because we had narrow by Armadale they were sort of all around it would have completed the circle and Tamworth. um but they, they would they knocked it on the head and uh you know it's just it's just dying in the bush where where the family there was a family sport before
2: you know Yeah, it has.
0: It has. Yeah, go
2: on. It certainly has changed over the years. It's not the same sport it was in the '70s and '80s, where there was a lot, lot more hobbyists and part-time professionals in harness racing. It's certainly a lot harder to compete at that top level now. But it's still, it's still possible. It's got to be possible, and you just got to have the right horse, the right training regime, the right trainer and the right circumstances, and there certainly was that in 1996.
0: Mm. Yeah, okay.
2: Michael, we thank you once again for coming on and sharing your story. It's uh, it's a wonderful story of harness racing, and it's great to celebrate it. Thanks again, mate.
0: Thanks, David.